Hey guys, it's Mom Taraj, the podcast about being a mom that thinks that most mom stuff is super boring. So we created our own posse. I'm Ashley. And I'm Carrie. And we are ready to walk you down the red carpet of motherhood. Everybody. Hey everyone, how you doing? We have got a gangbusters show for you today. We are talking to the Secretary of Education, Miguel Cardona, as in the White House. That's right, we did that. And then we're talking about how to get back in sync with your teenager, which although we don't have teenagers, we do find this important. And I gotta tell you, while I was reading the article, I found a lot of tips for dealing with my five-year-old too. I'm deathly afraid of having a teenager. Oh, I I am so scared, but I would be even more scared if I were you. I mean, yeah, because you know Luna, but also especially because so many people in my age range have teenagers since I was so late to the game. So I am seeing what's going on. I'm like, oh, goodness gracious. I want a replacement me to step in for that period of time. As always, we have hashtag swag bag, but up next, take it away, kiddo. The tits and the sits. Okay, so my tits are Luna is back in school. Woohoo! And she's going Monday through Friday, 9 to 3, which means I can schedule my life. And so far, it's been incredible. And I do sometimes have the feeling, and this does make me feel like I'm a bad mom, when 2.30 rolls around, I'm like, can't they stay a little longer? Amen, sister. I am just exercising every day, eating three meals a day. Look at you. Taking showers, getting things done. Now, one would think that these are just the things that should just happen. No, they don't. That's what a non-parent would think. I mean, the showers that I have taken where no one talks to me and I don't have my phone playing some loud children's show. You can shave your legs. You can do a deep conditioner in your hair. I'm not cold because my child needs to have the thing half open so she can see me the whole entire time. Oh, God. God bless. That's my tits. And really, I don't need to say anything else about it because everyone that has a kid who's gone back to school really understands. Yeah. I mean, it's a double-edged sword, right? Because on one hand, there's that. But on the other hand, all the activities start up again. Right. Well, Luna's going to start ballet soon and it's on a Saturday and I'm like, oh, they're okay. I specifically don't sign Sebastian up for weekend things because with our parents being far, we're away weekends and I just wanted to leave that open. I think that that's what's going to happen next. Next time, but I was a little concerned with Luna doing a whole day for the yeah, first time and then having to go to a class. I think that the next round of things we'll do, we'll do it during the week because she is like, this is a really long day. I was like, yes, it is. And I love it. It is. It is, child. It is. Enjoy it. Soak it in. My shits are one, you were away in Hawaii and it felt like you might as well have been in Australia. Uh, yeah. Absence does make the heart grow fonder. Not that it needed to get any fonder because I'm straight up in love with you. Right. That's the longest we've gone. I know. And on top of it, there's a six-hour time difference. Hawaii is six hours behind. We didn't even shoot the shit via text no. like we normally do, and I really felt it. And I was also deliberately trying not to be on my phone as much. And I was trying to respect that, too. I do appreciate that. So that felt really crazy. I was like, oh my gosh, my girl. And then Luna... This is maybe tits and shits. I don't know. So Luna, on her school sign that I make every year that says, what do you want to be when you grow up? And what's your favorite thing? I saw she wants to be a ghost. She wants to be a ghost. So she's really leading into this birthday before Halloween goth girl thing. I'm into it. She has started walking around the playground just going, I like blood. 
I like to eat blood. Blood is delicious. Let me eat your blood. Blood sandwich. Blood butt. She's the Bubba Gump of blood. I'm like, kids are afraid of you. She recently said to me, I don't want to have a baby when I grow up. And I said, okay. She said, look at how it's destroyed you. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. So she has said this off and on a lot recently. I don't want to have a baby when I grow up. And I said, that's totally fine. But it's also funny because you're obsessed with babies. You really like kids. You want me to have one. I'm not going to have one. Why don't you have your own someday? So then she goes, right before bed when we do our gratitude and everything, we hadn't talked about babies all day. She says, mama, is just some kind of medicine you can take so that you cannot have a baby? Yes. And I was like, yes, it's Yes, there is. But the fact that my three-year-old daughter put together that we take medicine for things and she so adamantly doesn't want a child at three that she wants to know what medicine she can take. I was like, once again, my child is some reincarnated something and this is the strangest thing. I vote witch, reincarnated witch, for multiple reasons. Obviously, we use the term with love. I'm not like, she's a witch. I literally, when trying to get jiggy with Lee, said, hey, baby, let's make a witch. I can't believe you just called it getting jiggy. Nah, 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 nah. It's the early 2000s version of making whoopee. I know. And then just lastly, because it's an important thing and it reflects on my last week week's hashtag swag bag, which was an Apple AirTag. I just want to tell a short story real quick in my shits, which is my very best friend who I talk about constantly on this podcast. We've had her on the show. We've had her on the show, Valerie, is a mother of four kids, some of them being triplets and a bunch of them being various needs children. The most, I guess, severe need is a child who has autism, is on the autism spectrum. I don't know what the terminology is. I feel like I'm always getting it wrong because they're changing it, but he's pretty nonverbal. He's a 10-year-old and he's very nonverbal to strangers and only partially verbal to loved ones. And my friend Valerie has fought the Department of Education in New York to get him services and does it for all the parents out there who can't do it to help get their kids services. And he goes to a really, really prestigious school for children on the autism spectrum. It's renowned, but it's far away. They live not close. So Department of Education special needs bus picks up just a couple kids and takes them. And my friend has an air tag on her kid. What, like a bracelet? I'm not sure if he has like an Apple watch that has an air tag, but I think it's an air tag and it clips onto his clothes. Got it. And it's not easy to get off. And she has it for all sorts of reasons. That is a pro mom move, by the way. Super. I was surprised. I wouldn't have thought of it. Me neither. So anyway, she was following him in the morning and noticed that his bus was going to Brooklyn and his school is not in Brooklyn and she doesn't live in Brooklyn and nothing is close to where he needs to be in Brooklyn. There was another child on the bus, evidently, who also didn't go to the right place, but the mother didn't know until Valerie contacted. So Valerie realized that her child was in Brooklyn. No one contacted her. She knew on her own. The bus driver didn't contact her. The school didn't contact her. Nothing. And she had to get in a car and follow the air tag to where her son, I think, was wandering. Oh, my God. So the school that he was dropped off at, the teachers didn't contact anyone to say there's a child here. It's so upsetting on so many levels. And she was on the phone with everyone and their mother. She has numbers to all the important people because she's gone through so many laws trials, law trials, like you obviously know that I'm not a lawyer. In her words, no one cared. No one cared. And she said that at one point she 
thought to herself, I'm going to cry saying this, my child is gone. Because children with special needs are so susceptible to child predators. There's also a high rate of drowning for autistic children because autistic children really find comfort in the water and they often will just walk into the water. Luckily, he swims. But how scary. Terrifying. And how terrifying for her son who has sensory overload, who can't communicate, who loves routine and understands routine and couldn't express his fear. It's just a parent's absolute nightmare. Yeah. Now, I've read various things on the internet that an AirTag is not the best thing to put on your child, that they recommend like an Apple Watch with a family feature. But honestly, when we go to Disney World, I'm doing the same thing to Luna. Because Luna will take a watch off. They have a thing that clips to the waistband of your clothes, almost like a button, that she would not easily be able to get off. I'm almost thinking of like, you know, the Cartier love bracelet where you screw it on, but obviously not that expensive, but some kind of bracelet that you screw on that can't come off. They have all different kinds and they have necklaces and fobs. My friend has no energy left. She's like, I literally thought my kid was dead. I don't even know what to do right now. I'm just so bewildered. And now my life is so much harder because she has four kids. And now she's like, I guess I have to drive my son to the city every day to go to school because we can't trust the bus. And you know, she has four kids. So it's not like she's being lazy and be like, my kid takes the bus. All the kids need to be at school at the same time and they all go to different schools. And because he's in a specialized school, it's far away. Yeah. Not to go on too long, but it's horrifying. I'm just telling this to any parent that has a kid, any kid, but especially a child with special needs who maybe is nonverbal and didn't think of this because this is such a mom win in a horrible situation. Yeah. Thank God she had the wherewithal, man. I mean, even if my kid had an air tag on, I don't know how much I would check it. No, me neither. I don't think I would be sitting there watching the air tag move. Maybe she doesn't always. Maybe it was one of those weird things where she was like, let me check in on him. You know, like, mother's instinct. She says she does check a lot in the drop-off and the pickup time. Got it. Because she's just nervous about all the things that once in school, she doesn't check so much. Yeah. I'm glad he's okay. I'm glad she's okay. And you know what? It turned out as well as it possibly could have. And thank God for that. But here's another experience where the rest of her children had to like fend for themselves because she has four. She had to be like, okay, boys, you're walking yourself home. I'll call a friend and let you in. Baby, I'm taking him out of school early. I'm picking up the baby right now and we're all going to Brooklyn. It takes a village and you got to advocate for yourself because you're the only one that's going to care for your kids the way that you want them to be cared for. That's true. Moving on. Your tits and shits, my dear? My tits and shits. So my tits are, I was in Hawaii for two weeks. How do you complain about that? Also, (laughs) it feels really weird to talk about this after that story. Everything we can hold in our hands equally. Yes. It was myself, my mom, Matt and Sebastian. My dad couldn't come because of the store. But we just had a lovely, relaxing time. We were out in the sun basically every single day. Sebastian went on his first real life adventure where we kayaked about four miles. We hiked about three miles. Holy moly, was he exhausted? He was pooped, but he did so well. We kayaked two miles up a river. Then we hiked a mile and a half to a secret waterfall, eat some lunch, and then hike back, kayak back. Was this with a guide? Yes. There's a lot of people who do it without a guide, but we're very much guide people. We're like, we 
we don't need to get lost. Have you listened to our Go RV episode? Yeah. We are guide people. We're cool with being adventurous under adult supervision, I guess. Right. <laughs> he held up so well. But my favorite thing was that one day he met this little boy in the kiddie pool that had a slide and these turtles and stuff like that. I rarely get to see my child interact with other children. And this was an extenuating circumstance where it was like him totally not knowing somebody. Right. So he's talking to this little boy who's a little bit bigger than him and they're just saying all kinds of weird stuff. And then all of a sudden, Sebastian pulls his penis out. <laughs> In the kiddie pool. <laughs> this is not funny at all. It, I mean, it is and it isn't. He pulls it out, and I'm sitting there, and I go, Sebastian, put your penis away. So he pulls it back up. Then he points at me, and he goes, she's not wearing any underwear. And I was like, what is happening? Why did he pull his penis out? So I asked him because his friend was saying something like, oh, I'm wearing underwear under my bathing suit or something. And Sebastian's like, I'm not, and just was trying to show him. And then he pointed at me and was like saying that to me. Then Matt and I switched off. Matt sitting there and I'm like hey just so you know your son just pulled his wiener out to a stranger just keep an eye out he hears Sebastian say oh yeah my mom grew up poor and now we're rich this is a white lotus episode you gonna get jacked they're gonna steal your bracelets I hate that he said something like that also Ashley is not rich right I am not rich at all sorry I didn't mean to blow up your spot no it's fine we do fine we can pay our bills but we are in no way rich then also the retaining the information about me growing up poor. It was just so funny. Was he trying to like front in front of this new kid? I guess. I don't know. And all I could think is, is this the shit he pulls in his predominantly Hispanic inner city school where he's the only white kid? Because that's not how you're going to get friends, my friend. No. That's not how it's going to happen. So raised some concerns, made me laugh, made me think. It's real a mixed bag there, Ash. I literally wrote it in the notes app because I was like, I got to remember this and say this on the show because this was day three. And then nothing else happened like that. He pulled the version of me going up to a stranger being like, I have Crocs too. And said, it's like, ah, uh, we were poor. Now we're wealthy. Also, here's my pain. And also like, not even we. Mom was poor. Now we're rich. It's not even accurate. None of it is accurate, except for I didn't grow up rich. But my shits are, I am so jet lagged. I cannot explain it to you. We left Friday afternoon, got back Saturday morning, and then it's Wednesday. And I am still jet lagged. I'll take a sleeping pill to help me to try and get back on schedule can't fall asleep. Then I need to sleep till like 10 a.m. I am such a mess and I was starting to get really worried about myself until yesterday when my mom called me at four in the afternoon and she's like, I took a nap on my lunch break. I am so exhausted. I don't know what to do. And I said, thank God. Matt looked it up and apparently you take a day for every hour of the time change. So six hours, I guess we're almost there. What a humble brag to be like, I'm so jet lagged from my trip to Hawaii, but I am so out of sorts. Well, you are incredibly wealthy. We're rich. I am such a mess. My house looks like a frat house. There's a pile of books on the floor of the dining room that none of the three people who live here have decided to pick up and put on the table. But great vacation, great time. That's where we are. That's where we are. Oh, one more thing though. So I saw on TikTok, I was freaking out about how exhausted I am. And some girl did a video about, you know that Schumann 
It's some unit of measurement. It measures solar flares. Okay. But apparently it has been off the charts. Mercury's in retrograde. I think we're all just feeling kind of drained and a mess. And it's the only thing that got me through. So you guys are hearing this next week. So if last week you felt just depleted, it might be because of that. I don't know. Can I add one more tip? Sure. Luna has come up with a phrase all on her own. When she's full of gas and she thinks it's going to come out, she goes, I'm all gassed out. I say I have a gas stock and Matt thinks it's weird. Then she goes, I'm going to gas it up. Gas it up. Amen, sister. Next up, Secretary of Education, Miguel Cardona. I am chatting with the Secretary of Education, Miguel Cardona, about the research he's done on the impacts of the COVID pandemic on our children and their education. Thank you so, so much for joining me today, Secretary. Great to be with you. We have interviewed celebrities, Jim Carrey. I'm more tongue-tied with you. (laughs) As a mother, it is such an important conversation. So thank you so much. Appreciate that. Glad to be with you. So as Secretary of Education, please tell us what you found regarding some lasting impacts on our children from this COVID pandemic? It's really important for me to start by saying that, yes, I'm Secretary of Education, but I'm a dad. That's, in my opinion, more important title. Big ones or little ones? Well, they're always going to be little to me, but <laughs> I have a 16-year-old daughter and my son, he'll be 18 in about a month. But look, during the pandemic, I saw what they went through. I saw what the country went through. And I saw it firsthand at home. At every stage, there were challenges that our students faced. The social emotional piece for adolescents who need a peer network to thrive or to feel connected. Our elementary kids who that warmth of a teacher being next to them wasn't there or the lack of access to content because the technology, while it's helpful, it's not a replacement for teachers. And children with special needs as well, not being able to get all the aid that they need. Oh, my goodness. Carrie, I had a parent from New York. I got a letter from her and she shared a story. This was when I was commissioner, but I was a nominee to become secretary. She wanted me to know that her child with autism struggled significantly and so did the siblings because the routines were changed right? and because the laptop didn't help the way it helped other children. So our children with disabilities, our families that have children with disabilities, they were impacted significantly. And that's why it's so important that when we come back, we come back stronger than ever, that we're using the funds to really double down on supports for students, that it looks better this year than ever before. So we know that a lot of the research that has been done has been primarily on nine-year-olds, but for younger children, I have a almost four year old and my partner on the show as a five-year-old. But what kind of educational impact has COVID had even for the young ones? Well, think about how the brain develops, right? Those critical years of dendrites are connecting and the brain formation is happening at a rate much quicker at that age, three, four, five, than when they're older. So when you talk about learning from social interaction, and then those social interactions were tremendously diminished. Think about the impact that has on the student's ability to read social cues or communicate effectively or develop those executive functioning skills that we know are critical to development of academic skills later. Those are the years where they're formed. So the nation's report card, the NAEP, that measures reading and math levels in third graders. There is no assessment, nor should there be, in my opinion, for three or four-year-olds that measure the communication skill gaps that were created. But as parents, we know. Right. We know that if a child only sees one or two people during their entire day versus 15, 20 people, it's going to limit their communication skills. 
what changes can we expect to see? My child hasn't started yet, but a lot of schools have already started. So what are we expecting to see this year in schools? When the American Rescue Plan dollars were passed, it was intended to address the impact of the pandemic. And we felt there were three big buckets. We communicated early on, over a year ago, what those three big buckets are. First of all, safe reopening, making sure that our buildings are safe for our students, making sure vaccines were available, ventilation systems were being fixed so that parents and students feel confident walking back in. It was pretty traumatic yeah. the last couple of years. So safety of the building and making sure the materials are there. Number two, social emotional well-being. It's hard to learn if you're sad or if you're traumatized based on what happened. I'll tell you, over 140,000 students are walking into our classrooms this year, having lost a parent or caregiver during the pandemic. Mental health supports for our students, additional social workers, psychologists, parent liaisons. Many families are still in crisis. So supporting those families so that we can support their children. That's number two. Number three, catching kids up academically. Look, the NAEP data tells us what we know happened throughout, right? Our students, while these Zoom classes were great, they don't substitute for a teacher. They don't substitute for a classroom. So we have to double down and make sure that we're providing after school, high quality tutoring, making sure that our schools are fully funded. I think sometimes we overlook that. Yeah. Making sure we have qualified teachers in front of every classroom so that the students have high quality teaching going on in the classroom because no amount of tutoring is going to make up for not having a qualified teacher. So making sure schools are funded, making sure we have after school tutoring programs, enrichment programs for students to continue with that socialization that they didn't have a chance to do two years prior. I'll tell you, Carrie, this summer, there were more students in summer school across America than ever before. And that's thanks to the American Rescue Plan. That's great. Catching students up. And it's not the summer school when we went to school. Typing. That's what I learned. Yeah, right. We had kids digging. We had kids doing aquaponics. We had kids learning another language. We had kids doing field trips. What they weren't able to do during the years of the, of the height of the pandemic. So I'm proud of what I'm seeing. It's not going to happen overnight, but we need to remain a level of urgency like we had during the pandemic to open our schools. We have to maintain a level of urgency to not only catch our kids up, but provide a better education moving forward. I became a teacher this year because of it. I teach meditation as well as English and theater. And I've been using meditation a lot in English classes to help them deal with stress. All of a sudden it became urgent for me to do that for my community. That's awesome. Thank you. We at Momtourage have younger children and we are very pro-masking, even with vaccinated children. But a common theme that we see on social media is parents believing that masking children has hindered their ability to read and process social and emotional cues, as well as speech delays have occurred in some cases. Is this backed by your research? And if so, what can we do at home or as parents to maybe reverse these impacts? I'll be very frank with you. There was research saying it didn't. I'm going to talk to you now as a father, as an educator. A greater impact is having students in school being exposed during the height of the pandemic because they didn't have a mask on or having students feel intimidated because they needed to wear a mask to feel comfortable, having them be bullied because they're wearing a mask. That to me was a bigger issue. My daughter, we were just out today and she goes, why am I the only one wearing a mask? And I was like, well, you have to worry about you. We've always marched to a different drum. This is we're keeping not just ourselves, but our elderly grandparents safe too. You know, it's hard. Those two things had more of an impact than speech delays because they had it on or the social cues. I don't put a lot of stock in that. I haven't even assessed the study, the validity or, or looked at the methodology on that. But what I will tell you is we need to move forward in our country respecting differences. We have another issue going on where some people don't respect differences in our passing policies, which to me is, is ludicrous. We're going backwards in terms of inclusion. We need to respect what people, their opinions and what's right for them. And have empathy to think of others, not just ourselves as well. Absolutely. You know, I know people that are wearing masks because the trauma of the pandemic was more significant to them. And right now they feel better doing that. Or they have someone very fragile at home and they want to do everything in their power. Who are we to judge someone else? So I think our institutions need to make sure that we're promoting the right for folks to 
wear a mask and not be bothered about it either. That just speaks to the bigger important role that we have in education to provide inclusive environments where everyone feels welcome, where differences are celebrated and accepted as, you know, this is who we are. We're not a monolith here in this country. And it's time we celebrate that, really. We all know widespread there are teacher shortages. And I know that the government, as well as states themselves are taking matters in all our hands to address that, as well as I like to call it your tour, your bus and truck tour that you're about to embark on. Can you tell me a little bit about this tour and then about these teacher shortages and what's going on to help address that? Listen, we're visiting states, celebrating what's working in our schools. We got Virginia, West Virginia, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. But look, we have a responsibility to celebrate what's working in our schools. We hear so much about crisis. It's easier to make a headline when there's a problem. 50 million kids returns to school in person in this country over the last two weeks, a year and a half after being locked in our homes, scared of what's coming, not having a vaccine. Our job is to make sure we're lifting up those examples where they're using American Rescue Plan dollars to give the kids the emotional support, to give the kids the additional academic support and reverse those trends that we know were a result of a pandemic and quite frankly, a previous administration that didn't move fast enough or didn't provide any educational guidance. So we're correcting that. We're lifting up our educators. And to talk really quickly about the shortage, in order to address the teacher shortage issue, we have to address the teacher respect issue. I think teachers have been beat up over the last couple of years. They bent over backwards, changed the way they do their business. In many places, I think the national average is 19% less than any other profession. In some states, it's up to 33% less salary than other college guys. And it's some of the most important work that you can do. And they take out of their own pockets to give students what they need. When we invest in our educators getting high quality teachers, our kids are going to benefit. One of the most important things we could do is have a highly qualified teacher in front of the classroom. So we need to use ARP money to do creative incentive programs, even retired teachers, bring them back in for a little bit without any penalty to their retirement benefits. We need grow your own programs to our high school students now see themselves as the teachers of tomorrow. We have to be innovative. We can't go back to the system we had. It wasn't working for everyone. Are there any resources that you you can recommend to all of us concerned parents out there to look into? Look on our website, look for the resources that are there. And this is my message to the families. My kid was taking pre-calc during this pandemic and I'm sitting there scratching my head. Parents have also gone through a lot. I think right now what I want parents to know is that there's more money in education than ever before. And it's really important that our parents are informed how the money is being used and ensuring that the money is going to our students with disabilities, our students who have had a lot of trauma in their lives, to ensure that our schools have better mental health supports, have additional tutoring and supports for our students. Well, our educators are going in, they're rolling up their sleeves. They need support too. So I want our parents to be equipped with knowledge. I want them to partner stronger. We need to level up our level of partnership with families across the country, making sure our parents are informed that the money is there for our kids and not accepting anything less. That's the goal. From the bottom of my heart as a parent, as an educator, thank you so much for spending your time with us and we can't wait to see you on your tour. Thank you. Hopefully we'll see you on the bus tour. Yes, I'll bring snacks. Yeah, good, good. I love snacks. Nice talking to you, Carrie. Thank you so much, Secretary. All right, take care. So this next segment obviously comes from the New York Times. The actual book of records. And it has to do with how parents can reconnect with teens. I do want to urge everybody who's listening who isn't the parent of a teen quite yet. It is a really helpful article for kids of all ages. So I do suggest paying attention. At the beginning of the pandemic, our kids, especially teens, disappeared behind their screens. Many kids were spending 16 to 17 hours a day on screens. The average was doubled. That was the double time. 
time of what kids were having with screens prior. One third of high schoolers said they experienced poor mental health during the pandemic, and 44% said they felt persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness, which is an increase of nearly 37%. Strong parental relationships are linked to higher levels of self-control in teenagers, as well as self-esteem. Adolescents generally, this is important to remember, guys, I was like, oh, okay, this is nice. Adolescents generally like and admire their parents, and they want to spend time with them even as they become more independent. Now, as you all know, Ashley and I have like maybe an unusually close relationship to especially our mothers, but our parents in general. I had that, even as a teenager. I did too, but I feel like we're rare. Yes, totally. But maybe we're not. Maybe it was just we never had too much strife. The friends I had in high school didn't really appear the same way, but what do I really know about people's day in and day out? Well, we're going to see right now that not all teenagers are showing it, even though they're feeling it towards their parents. First piece of advice is lower your expectations about what quote-unquote connection means. Adolescent brains are hardwired to tune out their mother's voices in favor of less familiar ones. How crazy, that's science. I mean, that happened while Sebastian was taking a bath last night, so I get it. I was like, whoa, science. Hardwired, that's crazy. I know. Every teenager is testing boundaries, or maybe a precocious three-year-old. No need to always have deep, meaningful talks to have a healthy, trusting relationship. Teens are really not in sync with anyone but themselves. Pay attention to their mood changes and changes in behavior, how they're doing in school, different eating patterns or sleeping patterns for the last few weeks or months. You really want to watch for isolation. That's the biggest clue, I guess. Mm -hmm. Be curious about their interests. Focus your conversations on your child's interests and try to get to know about them. So if your kid likes Minecraft, no matter whether you hate it or not, really try to get to know them. Talk about it. In talking about that, they tend to reveal deeper things, but make it about them and their likes. Make it worth their while to turn off their screens. You want to model the sacrifices. So for example, dinner time, no one has a screen, no phones, nothing. Really show them that you are also participating in that. I need to take note because Lee and I do not do that. Same. Brainstorm with them on what you can all do together. Maybe it's board games, trying a new restaurant, walking the dog together. So for instance, for me, remembering back, my mom let me drink coffee. She'd make me a decaf cup. She would have a radio cup until I was old enough to have coffee. Oh, we're Hispanic. I was having coffee at like eight. My mom worked nights. And so there was a period of time from like five to seven before she had to go to work. And we would sit and drink coffee together. I would eat my dinner. She would eat her quote unquote breakfast. And we would talk about the day. And we would watch soap operas together. We would pick restaurants to go eat out together. And my dad and I used to go to concerts together. And when I was driving to visit him every other weekend, we would bond on liking the same music. And with my stepmom... She's a lover of movies and we would have these movie marathons and so we connected on that way and she is who I attribute a lot of my acting stuff to. Oh, that's fun. Ashley, what are some things that you used to do? I did so much with my parents and I really don't remember anything in particular, but I will tell you that I felt very encouraged to always speak openly and honestly to my parents about my social life and what was going on because firstly, my parents were not that far in age from me and you know, my mom was always really honest about all of her life experiences. She would be like, oh yeah, in my sweet 16, I was making out with this guy and blah, 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 you know? So for me, I just always felt safe coming to them with these kinds of things because they showed me the same transparency and the same openness. And it felt like I was 
chit-chatting with a girlfriend. Something I always noticed with my stepmom raising my brother and my sister that I always was like, oh, I want to do that with my kid is she really asked questions about their friends. That's what I do with Sebi. And really, really got to know their friends really well. And I just thought, one, it's a great tactic, but it wasn't even just a tactic. She really cared about the people that her kids cared about. And that's what I'm trying to say. My mom knew all of my friends. So I'd come home and I'd tell her the gossip. And now with Sebastian, when I pick him up from school, I'll say like, how was your day? What'd you have for lunch? And then I'll be like, what's the cheese man? Tell me the gossip. And that's how I get to know who his friends are, how I have the conversation. And I feel like if he can trust me with that kind of silly stuff now, I'm trying to foster that as he gets older, he can come to me with all kinds of things. Yeah. And I kind of sneakily know what's going on in the friend group. There's just a few more here. Try not to judge and give it time. Teenagers often don't talk to their parents because they worry about them having the wrong reaction. That's where that note thing, remember we talked about this before, having some kind of note you give your kids, they keep it in a drawer that says, show me this note when you need to tell me something that you're scared of telling me and I will not get upset with you. Right. And I think that's genius. I agree. Next one is rules and boundaries are essential as always. Duh. I feel like some people disagree with that, but we know child development science shows us rules, boundaries, routine. It's what makes them thrive. Don't lecture or focus on the negative. Don't say like, wow, it's been too long since you had this conversation. That's something my grandmother did so good. She was never like, oh my God, you're late. She'd be like, whenever you get here, it's going to be great. I miss you. Just don't focus on the negative. Keep it really positive. Don't lecture. And also active listening. Be a participant in the conversation, even if you're listening. I think these are solid tips. For anyone. Children of all ages, yes. I'm interested, guys, especially because we are not the parents of teenagers. One, if you're the parent of a teenager, what are some things that you do that you could add to this list because Ashley and I are going to be hoarding this list. People who don't have teenagers but just are good at connecting and touching base back with your kids. What are some tactics? Please either slide into our DMs of Momtourage Podcast or you can email us at hello at momtouragepodcast.com. Hashtag swag bag. I bit the bullet. And got the Ondo no-show-me socks. I love how you say you bit the bullet. It's a sock, correct? Well, I have tried in the past to wear no-see-em socks, and they're just a mess. And then I just throw them out. But then I was reading some article from a podiatrist that said the worst thing you can do for your feet is not wear socks. with your shoes. I don't unless I'm wearing sandals. I often wear sneakers without socks for the look of it. So I got the Ondo, which I had bought for my uncle for Christmas last year because it's just like a good Christmas gift because they wouldn't think to buy it themselves. And he was like, they're really good. They're not going to go down. And I was like, I don't know. I bought a lot of no see socks in my day yeah. and they're all terrible. They live up to the hype. They're amazing. My mom also swears by the Under Armour ones. We were on the trip and had a whole talk about no-show socks. She says the Under Armour ones are great as well. Awesome. So I'll put a link in there, but the Ando one's really good. And then mine is, and everybody knows about this, but I feel like we need to give her a little shout out. The Ribba frame from Ikea. I have a big one that houses Danny DeVito over my toilet. Take a picture so I could see it. I know, I know. I'll FaceTime you after our busy day. But listen, I saw a tweet the other day that said you don't realize how expensive adulthood is until you go to Michael's to get something framed. And it is so true. Who knew that getting things framed was so expensive? Like $275. God forbid you want a mat. I know. So I went to Ikea and I've been doing this more often, going to Ikea or Target and framing things myself. And I really like the outcome. There's tricks to it. Go on TikTok, look it up. But I would say Danny DeVito looks 
beautiful, professional. Love it. Well, there you have it, guys. What an honor that we got to interview like a real, real important person. All right. See you later, guys. Bye, guys. Okay, that's our show today, folks. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe or follow. We are out here on our own, and these things really, really matter. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to hear. Email us at hello at momtouragepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, all at Momtourage Podcast to hang out with us all week long. We are here for you. You are not alone. We got you. So go ahead, girl. Know this posse is behind you and go slay. Momtourage is a Cafe Mom podcast written and produced by Ashley Heron-Smith and Carrie Sotero. Recorded and mixed by Lee Mars. Our theme song, MILF, is by the band Mama Drama. You can find them on Instagram at mamadramaband or mamadramaband.com. 